Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. It's good to have you here. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors here, and it's great to gather to journey together in God's gracious word. We're in Romans And we're in a series in Romans chapter 4, and it's just an honor to teach God's Word, and may He change us, as we've prayed already. Today, we're going to be looking at this whole idea of your faith and the resiliency of your faith. You know that word resiliency? It's like uh, it's a bounce back kind of ability. When you're down and out, can you bounce back? Can you come back? Can you come back and get to the place where you have this, you know, place of trust and reliance? And we're talking specifically on God today. You know, resiliency is a beautiful characteristic. And um, I love uh, my dad, uh, who's uh, right here sitting next to him. I was sitting next to him in worship, and what a joy. Uh, 90 years old. He's going to be 91 March 12th. He didn't know I was going to say this. But... uh, He's a resilient guy. He's been through a lot in his life. And, um, you know, he's done a lot of life, right, Dad? Yeah. And, uh, but what I love about him is not just his toughness. I love his tenderness. That every, you know, every year he is being sweetened by the grace of Almighty God. And so his life is he faces things, and he does. And I, I promise you, as you get older, it's not easy. You lose your spouse, and you're just some, there's less and less things you can do. You lose things. But I see in him a bounce-back kind of faith, a resiliency that comes from our great God. And so today we're going to be looking at uh, Abraham and in uh, Romans chapter 4. And he had that kind of resilient faith, a bounce back kind of faith that trusted God in all of his ways. And we're going to continue to look and see uh, his life as, as Mark preached last week in the first half of Romans 4. Now we're going to look at the second half and, and see how Abraham, though he faced these amazing challenges and hurdles and faith steps, he kept trusting God. You know, the first big faith challenge that Abraham had was moving. Do you remember, do you remember that? He moved literally about over 1,500 miles. That's not easy when you're, you know, have camels and a few donkeys. And you're moving, you know, your herds and your little family together. And by the way, when you moved in the ancient days, it didn't happen really. (laughs) But God said, move, Abraham. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, 8, that he went not knowing where he was going. That's hard to do for any of us today. We got GPSs. We know he had no idea where he was going. And by the way, he had to leave all of his money. His full inheritance was the land and all the herds that he had, and he left it behind because God said, go, and he went. That's a huge, huge faith step. 
And we see in Genesis 12 and 15 that God said, you're going to become this great father of faith to many nations, not just the Jewish people, but the nations. And and then Abraham, we know he didn't have a perfect faith. And we usually think, okay, well, you know, you're a pastor or you're some man of faith or you're Abraham, you know. Abraham just had it, you know, and no, he, 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 he sinned too, guys. He had the same challenges as you do. You remember that uh, in Genesis 12 and 20 that um, he got fearful. Do you ever get fearful? And what did he do when he, he feared the rulers in the nation in Egypt and a guy named Abimelech? And he feared that the guy was going to kill him because his wife was beautiful. And he said, she's not really my wife, she's my sister. Here you go. He lied. And he was like giving up his wife because he was, his faith was challenged by his fears and maybe his loss of control. And then we know in uh, Genesis 16, it goes on. He uh, took matters into his own hand. His wife said, here, take my uh, concubine Hagar and have a child with her because we can't have children. And that was a big deal in those days, right? So he did, even though God said through, with Sarah, you're going to have the child of promise, he took matters in his own hand because he was more it was more important to him to please his wife than please God at that moment. Who are you trying to please in your life more than God? We all fall into this, right? And Abraham did too. And yet he had a, a bounce back kind of faith. On Mount Moriah, he believed God. <laughs> it, in amazing ways. Remember what God asked him. It wasn't just anything he was asking him. He said, take your son, the son of the promise that I've said through him will be great nations formed. And he knew it was literal, not just spiritual. And he says, take him up and sacrifice him. And he's going like, what? Can you imagine what that, that, the thoughts that had to be going through Abraham's mind as he has his son Isaac and he takes him up, up that mountain called Mount Moriah. And of course, we know the end of the story that God didn't require Abraham to kill his son. But listen, it was, I mean, it was a faith step beyond maybe what we've ever been challenged by, right? Even you think about the faith steps, the faith, your faith. What are you challenged by? What are you struggling with in this moment of your life? Maybe it's God asking you to do something or he's asking you to trust him with something. Are you trusting him? Do you believe God? You see, we can believe God today. We're going to see this because not because we're so, uh, you know, religious. We're so wise. We're so gifted with faith. No, because God is so faithful. You can trust God because of who he is. 
And you can trust every one of his promises because of his great character. And we're going to see that today. Today we're going to look at this question. How resilient, how resilient is your faith in the faithful God? And we're going to look at this by looking at, uh, again, Romans chapter 4. If you have your Bibles or handhelds, turn there with me so you can see the context. Romans 4, 13 through 25. And I remind you, as we do each week, this is God's gracious, holy word. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace, and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced, listen, that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is God's word. God's word. Not man's word. God's word. We give him thanks. <clears throat> so, as we look at this passage church family, we see this, that first of all, our tendency is to rely on our own works. You know, this isn't anything new. We see it here in verses 13 through 15. In fact, we've seen this over and over again. In fact, Paul says this almost ad nauseum. I mean, it's like, yeah, Paul, we got it. It's not about our works, but he says it again here. He says, look, your works don't work if you're relying on your efforts, on your goodness, on your beauty, on your strength, on who you are. If you're comparing, if you're competing with others, if it's about that, it doesn't work. 
And we've talked a lot about this in this series. As we said, to look at verse 14, it says, for it is the adherents of the law. What is that? The adherents are those who kept the law. It's probably talking about the Jewish people and who are to be the heirs. And he says, if, if, it's, if it's about their law keeping, if it's about what they do, or if it's about, by the way, <laughs> what we do, then what does it say there in verse 14? Do you see it? Faith is what? Null. Null and the promise is void. It's saying here, look, if you think you can rely on anything you have done, you're fooled. And your faith, by the way, is and the promise of God is like, what, why would he make it? It's null and void. It's, it's valueless. The promise of God is valueless. We make the promise of God valueless when we try to, when we rely on our own works. You see how important this is, church. And that, that Paul doesn't just say this once again. He says this over and over again. Because we struggle with this. Why? We want credit. We are Americans. We think we earn things. We deserve things. We own things. We have put all our work together and we have achieved, or we will achieve, you know? But it's, you know, again, but for salvation, look, your work, your effort, your earning, relying on yourself is null and void. And so he's, he says this again and again. Abraham and his descendants and we fail to keep God's laws perfectly. But remember, God never fails. So how does God work, God's word tell us here that we will inherit salvation or become his heirs? Meaning, how are we going to get all the good stuff? You know, all this spiritual benefit. How do we access this? How do we make sure that we get like what we sang about earlier, grace? Well, he tells us in Galatians 3.29 very clearly, if you are Christ, meaning are, if you're his follower, if you're his child, if, do you know Christ? Are you his? Are you in relationship with him? If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Interesting. You're one of Abraham's kids. You're in his line. And that means, what does that mean? You're an heir according to the promise. You get all of what Christ, God has, you're going to share in it. And it doesn't really matter what you have on this earth, but in the next life, you're going to get it all. And here in this life, you're going to grow in things that, that as heirs that God is going to give and gift to you. This is an amazing promise. If you're, so Galatians 3.29 could be translated this way. If you're a follower of Christ, you are one of Abraham's spiritual kids, and therefore you share in all of his inheritance that God promised him, that he said would ultimately come by the Messiah, who we know is who? Jesus. So are you with me so far? 
It's not about your works. It's not about your efforts. It's not about gaining credit. Because our tendency for all of us is we rely on that. Uh, Romans 4.15 says, For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. So what does this mean? In Abraham's day, the law had not yet been given. We know that. It, it was about 500 years after Abraham. Moses received the law at Mount Sinai. <clears throat> and so one of the reasons the law was given to convict us of our sin and show us we can't keep it perfectly. Though Abraham had lots of faith, he also, and we know, we've seen, he sinned. And yet, he didn't have the law yet, but, and, and excuse me, he didn't have the law yet, and because of that, he could not consciously break it. But just like us, he still needed a savior. He still sinned. He still needed someone to rescue him and unite him eternally in relationship with God. So he looked by faith forward with a resilient faith to God, ultimately in G to Jesus, to the one who was promised. So Paul goes on to teach us, again, our, our tendency is to rely on our own works, but secondly, let's rely on him, the faithful one, you see this in verses 16 through 23. Uh, let's go through this and keep your Bibles open because there's a lot here for you to dig into. But here we see the unseen God promised Abraham that you will be the father of the family of faith. We see that in verse 16. And that your family will include every nation and it's forever, everlasting. Uh, verses 17 and 18 say that. Every nation, is that amazing? Every people group, it's a worldwide universal promise to Abraham that includes every people group in the world. And it's everlasting, it transcends time. Think about this. Now, Abraham was back here 2,000 years before Christ, and we're way over here like 2,000 years after Christ. He looked forward to Jesus in faith. We look back to him in faith. What if Jesus doesn't return for another 2,000 years? There's still our children and our children's children. Our children's children will still be saved by looking in simple, not a lot, but just simple, humble faith to Jesus. Are you looking in your life <laughs> by faith? to Jesus, that he would spiritually rescue you and unite you with God and give you those things that you know inside of you, deep inside of you, you really long for, peace and love and joy and satisfaction and purpose and all these things that are like benefits of faith in Jesus. I love uh, Kent Hughes, a, a pastor from Wheaton a Bible College. He was there when I, when I was way back at Wheaton, so he's got to be really old now. But he wrote this as a commentary on Romans, and I love it. It says, Abraham weighed the human impossibility of becoming a father against the divine impossibility of God being able to break his word. And he decided that if God 
with God, nothing is impossible. Look, there's one thing that is impossible. God will never, ever break any one of his promises to you and to me. Do you believe that? Jesus was talking to a rich young ruler who was saying, I'd like to follow you, Jesus. I'd like to know you and be one of your followers. But Jesus said to this guy, because he had lots of money, and he was, by the way, relying on it. And he said to the rich young ruler, you've got to leave it all behind, sell all your possessions, and just follow me. You remember he said, no, I can't do that. He went away sad. Right after that, it says this. The, the disciples who watched this, it says in Mark 10, 26, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, to Jesus, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. You see, church, faith isn't trusting your emotions, discovering the right formula. It's not even the amount of your faith. Do you come with a faith that says, Lord, I believe in you, your promise, your character. That's what I'm banking on in my life. If I'm going to push all my chips in, I'm putting them in on you. All of them. They're going in right now. Have you done that in your life? Or you got your toe dipped into the waters? Martin Lloyd-Jones, another great English pastor uh, of the 60s, 70s, writes this. His commentaries, by the way, if you want great commentaries, get his commentaries on Romans. It says this, faith, faith does not look at the difficulties. Faith does not even look at itself. The big thing about faith is not what I'm doing, but God's faithfulness. Another way of saying this is believe in God. Have faith in him. Hold on to his faithfulness. Mark said last week, lean into him. That's what faith is. Belief means leaning into God and his character and his promises. Are you leaning into him? He's calling you today to lean in to the faithfulness of God. You see, it's because of God and who he was that Abraham grew in his faith he learned to trust God. I mean, I love, <clears throat> I've been married about 38 years and um, July 12th, I know the date, I know my anniversary, okay? If there's a quiz. And, uh, you know, over these amount of years, you learn to trust that you're your life partner, which is a really beautiful thing of marriage. And I know that one thing that Lizanne is for me, I know that. And I know that she... When she thinks about me, she, has the, she knows that I have the best intentions for her, and she, I know she has the best intentions for me. That's what happens in years of being with someone and learning to trust one another. But see, when we look at God, I know Abraham, when he looked at God, he knew no matter what God asked him, 
that God had his best intentions in mind. That's why he could have faith, because he believed in God. You see, and that's as you grow in your faith and mature in it, that's more and more and more. You'll, you'll lean into believing and trusting even the motivations and intentions of our God. And uh, we see that, hey, that uh, <clears throat> here as we, as we see the faith of Abraham, we're, we're challenged by this whole idea of do we trust him? Or are we trusting in our own human logic? Human logic can be called like common, common wisdom, common sense, right? You've heard that expression, common sense. Look, church, you don't need more common sense. You need more uncommon sense. You need faith. Not faith in just anything, but in the object of the character of God and his promises. And when you develop in uncommon sense and say, I believe God, it will change you and it will satisfy you. It will ground you. It will help you when moments become hard and you're like, God, where are you? And it doesn't feel like he's near. Are you there? You could be. He's still there. Have you grounded yourself? And are you today growing and saying, God, give me that uncommon sense to trust you. you. <laughs> An invisible God who has made these amazing promises for our salvation. All found in your word. So verse 19 goes on. He did not, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, again, Abraham trusted God and not what was physically or biologically certain. What has God asked you to trust him that's hard for you to believe? You know, trusting yourself, your conclusions. Um, here, for example, his body, his strength, his ability. He knew, I mean, he's 100 years old. He's like, you start to get that old, you realize, I am getting a little frailer. I am not that strong. It takes a few years for you to actually realize that, church family. You are not that strong. You may feel strong. You may think you're strong. You may think, oh, I've got it all together. I am secure. I've got the life. Look it. Stop trusting yourself. Start trusting the God, the faithful God, who makes these amazing promises. Do we believe him? He is able. He will keep all his promises for his people. And a faith rooted in him, we see from this passage, is not shaken by circumstances because, yeah, is it, do you have doubts? Sure. Do you have unbelief? Sure. But will you walk away from God? No, you won't. Because the thing that you're most confident about is him and who he is. Romans 4.20 says this about Abraham. Look at this. He had unbelief. He says, no unbelief 
made him waver concerning the promise of God. He had doubts. It's okay if you do. Do you believe his promises? Ultimately, Abraham, like us, struggled with unbelief. But in the midst of his doubts, he learned to place and we, we were saying this, renew his confidence in God's unchanging character. Verse 20 finishes this way, but he grew strong as his faith, in his faith as he gave glory to God. Here's a practical application is you want to go like, how do I grow in my faith? Okay. And here it is. He says right here, give him glory. That's one reason why we should be here on Sundays. That's one reason why we should enjoy times of singing. You might not like to sing like I do. I like singing, okay? I don't care if you don't like singing. Sing! Because singing the words of God to God is praising the Lord. It's glorifying Him. He doesn't care how you feel about it. Sing with all your heart. Now I'm getting preachy. Okay. Backing off. Okay. But enjoy those moments. You know? This was Sunday mornings. We, we teach you a lot. Read the word. Grow in the word. It's not about perfect reading the word or you understand it all. Begin. Grow. Take the next step in the word. Pray. Learn to pray. Learn to be in a conversation. I know that's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> but grow in this. Lord, would you teach me how to do these things? And as you do these things that are necessary, honestly, that are hard for almost everyone, including me, you will give glory to God. And by the way, your faith will grow. It will become resilient so that the most critical moments of your life, when you feel the whole world is against you, His Holy Spirit will renew you and give you a simple but God-rooted confidence in Him and his promises. See, God keeps all his promises. He keeps them all, not just to great people like Abraham or pastors or the people. He, he keeps all his promises to you. This is what he wants you to know. No matter what disappointments or struggles you have faced or challenges you will encounter, are you leaning into him. Lord, I trust you and your character. Last week, again, Mark told us in verses 1 through 12 that Paul used this word counted or credited seven times. Again, repetition. Why? Here, we see it again in verses 22 and 23. Again, three times he writes. And he's reminding us because it's hard for us to believe. Remember, this concept of righteousness is that he justifies us. Mark said it again last week. It's two things. It's just as if you've never sinned and just as if I've always obeyed. Can you believe that? If you know Jesus, he says, 
I see you with no sin. If you know Jesus, he says, I see you, the Father says this, as I see my perfect son. Is that hard to believe? Hmm? It seems so impossible. But it's true. God sees you as he sees his perfect son. If you know Christ as your Lord and God. And then he ends this passage in verses 24 and 25 with God's promises. He's saying, what are they backed by? Okay. He says this. My promises are not just backed by my words. I will back them by what I do. And what did he do? He says, my promises are backed by my perfect son's death and resurrection. See, because if Jesus didn't, wasn't raised on the third day, then we're all fools. Why are we doing this? Let's go golf. It's a nice day. Why don't we go hike right now? I mean, you get the point. His, his promises are backed by his son's perfect work. Faith is not just a blind leap or a mindless activity. Our faith hinges on the irrefutable fact of Christ's death and resurrection. God, again, likely is not asking you to take up your son to a mountain and sacrifice him. You know, putting him on, two, on wood and strapping him down. That's crazy to believe, and he's not asking you to do that. But realize that this story of Abraham in Genesis 22 points to the story of stories that God the Father sent his son Jesus, and Jesus went up that very same mountain that Abraham and Isaac went. It was called Mount Moriah. He went up the mountain, and then Jesus was strapped onto two pieces of wood. And then the Father plunged into his son, his knife of his wrath, into his son that we deserved. The sinless Savior son died for you and me. And that should overwhelm you. But he didn't stay dead. Soon we're, it's going to be Easter Sunday. And Jesus rose from the dead that you might have death and sin and Satan and all the stuff spiritually that you're facing defeated and that you could have hope and you could have life. Who does this? Who does this? Only our faithful God who is true to all his promises. You see, a resilient faith Resiliency comes from imperfect sons and daughters who say, God, I don't understand. I don't have it all together. I don't know why or how or, or fill in the blank. 
but I trust who you are. You are faithful. You keep all your promises. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your work in Christ. Thank you for your love for us that came to this earth, this planet, to save us. Thank you, Lord. We love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.